You are now listening to My Faithway Podcast. You can now find us on every major platform. And don't forget to visit our Facebook page with live services every Sunday at 10 a.m. Central Time. If you want to become a partner or simply make a one-time donation, please text the word FAITHWAY to 77977. Click send and you will receive a link for further instruction. Feel free to comment on our Facebook Live stream services or visit our page at myfaithway.org. Now let's experience life in a new way, the Faithway. We just want to welcome you guys. If this is your first time here today, we just want to ask that you stop by the Welcome Center at some point before your way out and you get to exchange some information with us and get to walk out of here with a free gift. So everybody loves free, don't we? Amen. So we don't have um, many announcements to share with you this morning, but we do have a very, very important one. It's the same one, I think, that we announce every single Sunday. So church... This announcement is for every single one of you. We are the church. Each and every one of us makes up the body of Christ, and we are recruiting right now in all of our ministries, all of our teams. Um, If you have a heart for kids, we are recruiting right now, especially in our kids' ministry. We are lacking teachers in our nursery. These are for our babies. Um, So if you love babies, you love to cuddle, you love to kiss them, you love to hug them, you love to squeeze them, or you just have that baby fever, maybe this can help you, you know, come back to reality and snap out of it, you know, serve there in nursery. Um, Youth, you are also welcome to serve in nursery with us. We use nursery hands and helpers with each adult who goes in and serves. So it's not just one person for all those babies. You do have uh, hands. And it's very important. It's very important because we start delivering and ministering the word even at the age of zero, at the age of the babies and pampers. So it's a very, very important job. So if you think, oh, nursery is not that important, it's very, very important. Um, And we are also recruiting next door in uh, super kids super kids these are our older kids so if you're a, a teacher maybe or maybe if you're not even a teacher and you just want to serve maybe you enjoy teaching children maybe you want to get fed more you will learn more every time that you step behind the desk in one of those classrooms and you start interacting with the kids you actually grasp and you learn from the kids it's not really the kids who learn a lot from us it's us who learns from them so it's definitely a blessing and we just ask that you guys, you know, speak with one of the leaders or speak with someone at the Welcome Center if you're interested in joining. Um, We have maybe one teacher in Super Kids, so we we do need you guys to sign up um, because each of you guys has gifts. Whether you know it or not, you do have gifts to share and to grow the the kingdom of God. So at this time, kids, you are dismissed. We have our, our babies right here in the hallway foyer for up to the age of three. Right next door, we have our super kids. We are no longer outside in the outside building. We are in the middle classroom, and this is for our students from the ages of 7 to 11. And then right next door, we have our jam club, and this is our preschool age children. This is for the ages four to six. So kids, All of you guys are dismissed, and let's give them a round of applause as they exit. You guys are blessed. We call them blessed. So at this time, let's go ahead and open up our hearts, and let's get ready to receive the word and experience life in a new way, the faith way. Friend of mine from Ecuador.
message, like, you guys fixed it this week. And for whatever reason, he told me, but he didn't see anybody in the front. He's like, what's going on in your church? I said, nothing's going on. They just hide on the side. And the rest of them just stay home. So um, it's all good, you know? Praise God. So thank you guys for sitting in the middle there. And people know people do come to faith. So glory to God. All right, let's get into the word this morning. Let's pray, and then we'll, we'll just jump right into it. Father, we just thank you for the word. We thank you where it goes, where it takes us what it represents in our lives, Father, and I believe with all my heart, Lord, that this morning we will enter into something that will open our understanding and revelation and insight will flow freely and unhindered from any any distraction, any demonic force, or any negative thing, Father. We just thank you that we will walk out of here bigger on the inside than we walked in, in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. So we've been on this, um, this will be part three, and I, this is not the first time I teach this, obviously. But um, it really has become different in the teaching. That's what I love about the Word of God. You know, you, you've been doing this for a long time, and, you know, you open the Word, and something else comes up, and something else comes up, and, you know, you think you've already preached this message, and then you come in, and it's just like, a, I'm going to say brand, brand new, but there's so many new things that are coming, and, you know, trust me, I've been studying on some other things, because what happens when me, I'll study something, then I'll find something, you know, it's kind of like a, oh, that's cool, and I'll go off on that for a while and I have to come back to this so there's some really good things coming down the pipe so let's talk this morning you know we've been talking about the church we, you know Kathy made mention this morning and I just want to recap for some of you that haven't been here what we're referring to and first and foremost let me just this is a building all right this th- these walls you know brick and mortar this is just a building it could be used for any purposes it can be used for good purposes bad purposes it could be a bar it could be a church you know, it could be a school. So the church is not this, and we have to, you know, disassociate our mindset because it's really hard because since we're, since we're little tiny kids, regarding it doesn't matter what church you went to, it is branded in your heart that the church is a structure. And that is really hard to navigate out because that's all you know since you're a little tiny kid. You know, we've seen some kids that are, you know, almost, I'm not, not, we haven't seen anybody born here. Thank God that hasn't happened. That might just happen someday because all kinds of weird stuff happen in the church. But we've had babies, right, come in here and go through the whole system and then, you know, and, and have a good life, whatever. I'm not saying they went to hell and got lost, but all they, they really leave with an idea that church is a location. And that is really dangerous because that was never a thing. And the more I dig into the study, you know, we have a version of church today, and I'm talking globally speaking. I don't know how it, you know, <laughs> formed this shape, but our church service Every church service in America is nothing like the church services in the book of Acts. So we have something that works, and we gather together, and we meet, and that is very important, and you should. The Bible says, you know, and if I get to that verse, I'm going to work on that verse, because that verse doesn't even talk about going to church. It talks about don't disregard the coming together, which is is really about the church, because we keep focusing on this idea of the building, and that's kind of where we've been for the last couple weeks. So the ecclesia is is the Greek word for a form of government or a form of localized government, which Jesus chose to describe the church. And the Ecclesia, for those that haven't been here for the last couple of weeks, simply meant it was a Grecian form of government that the, that the Roman government ad- adopted, which basically means, you know, in a neighborhood, if there was a problem, everybody had to come to the meeting, everybody had to be in full agreement, and until that happened, there was no decisions made. So that's called an Ecclesia. So when Jesus describes the Ecclesia, every Jewish ear understood what he was talking about because that was the way they did it. But he wasn't talking about it in a form of government. 
He was talking about the God's government, the kingdom of God. Okay, so the ecclesia is always the body of Christ. So you are the church all the time. You know, you don't say, well, I went to church, and that's the problem. I went to church. No, you didn't. You didn't go to church. You came to a gathering of believers. You can't go to church since you're the church. You know, so, so really, sometimes when we change our language and, and the way we see things, it changes our application towards it. And trust me, it's hard because I grew up in church. I grew up in Christian schools. If that wasn't enough church for me, my parents put me in all-day church, right? And then I ran fast and hard from God, and then I come back, but I still have this idea that let's go to church. Get, up. get ready, get, get ready, go, go to church. How many of you had the devil show up this morning because your kids weren't getting ready? Nobody? Okay. And the, you got to get ready because we're going to church. And we keep... No, oh, Jesus. All right. We'll, we'll fix all these issues. All right. That, that, I think that's my cue to get back on my message. All right. Okay, so <laughs> this is what I want to open it before we go into any slides and notes. Christians have made a horrible job, and I'm talking all of us, that before we can try to talk about our calling, because this is what we're going to talk this morning, how to discover your calling within this amazing thing called the Ecclesia. Now, what is your part of this? And that is kind of hard because, you know, in life, and I don't I think I'm going to get too ahead of what I'm going to say, but in life, our callings change. Amen? And there's natural callings, and there's spiritual callings. Now, you know, it's amazing to me <laughs> that to get a driver's license... I'm going to make a point. I don't think I'm off subject. You got to take a test. You got to go through all this. Thing. You got to read the book. And you get what? A driver's license. As I'm saying, a permit. Come on, y'all older than that. A driver's license. If you're still working on your permit, God help you. All right? <laughs> Unless you're 16. I mean, I'm talking to some of you are like, I'm, I'm 45, still got my permit. All right, okay. <laughs> but when you get married, they don't make you take any tests. You want a marriage license? Here. They should actually be harder on the marriage than on the driving because, oh, Jesus, right? But here's my point. You are single and happy, and then you decide to have this adventure. Some of you are like, yeah, oh, Jesus, Pastor. I don't know where this message is going, but it's not where you guys think it's going, all right? This is not, some of you are like, are we done yet? No. And you came from single, and now you're married. Guess what happened? Your calling just changed. Some of you didn't realize that. That's a problem with people that in divorce. That they don't think their calling changed. They think they're still single, and that person that lives with them is just there to clean and help and pay the bills on whatever side the gender is, all right? No, the, your, your calling's changed. So now you're married, and, you know, you're happy with your wife, and you guys are traveling all over and, you know, enjoying your eternal honeymoon. And then one day she shows up with a little plastic thing that looks like she's COVID testing, but it's not COVID testing. It's another kind of testing. And there's a little red line there. Guess what? Your calling just changed. You've gone from single to husband. Now you've gone from husband to father. So my point of that is, is it's dangerous even within church culture because people say, well, I'm called. What's my calling? I'm called to sing to Jesus. Okay, that could be a calling. Is that your permanent calling? Is that your only calling? And that's where it gets weird because God doesn't do that. God sets you up according to your abilities. And he, and he trains you. I wasn't going to say test, but test is a bad word. He trains you if you're faithful in the little. So callings will change. And I'm way ahead of my message, but I want, I want you to relax in that because that is going to be a major point. Now, let's get into some of these things. How do we discover our calling in God? I'm talking, this is one of those questions because as a believer, now if you're here this morning, you know Jesus, then you are called. You're like, I didn't sign up for this, Pastor. Well, <laughs> that just kind of goes with the thing. 
And it's not a bad thing. But the, where it gets weird and dangerous is the church, and, and a lot of churches, they don't really focus, and they say, okay, you know, I'm called to Jesus, you know, I'm called, and then it doesn't get defined. So, yes, they're serving God, but they're not really, uh, you know, how can I put it, maximizing the gift. Does that make sense? And I think that is a key to understand because the ecclesia, I'm going to come back, why are we at this point? The ecclesia is not just one moving body. It's not just a pastor and a praise team and some audio people in the back and ushers and greeters. It is a moving, living entity that is always on, 24-7. It doesn't stop. And understanding that, then it moves you into, okay, so if I'm in this ecclesia, I have a job to do. But the word job is a little harsh because you're like, oh, I don't want to go to work. No, it's actually a joy. And when it stops being a joy, guess what happened? Your calling has shifted. <laughs> I'll get to that in a moment. Okay, so this is Webster's definition. A stronger, and I, I love the old Webster, you know, because then they updated it. But, you know, the, the older, whatever, 1800. This is where it comes. It's a, strength, a stronger inner impulse towards a particular course of action, especially when accompanied by conviction of divine influence. Now, that is a lot, big definition to what is a calling. But, you know, if you just wanted to you bring it down to secular level, not spiritualize it, it still is the same thing. You know, let me actually you know, not everybody, it doesn't apply to everybody. But if you had a career choice, meaning that you had a choice to choose your future, you probably made that choice on a desire that you had. Amen? Now, like, like if you're really bad at math, you probably shouldn't study engineering. Right? You should probably study English. <laughs> or become a teacher or something, right? What I'm saying is you have to find the place. Because one of the problems we see in the church is that we have a, you know, and I, I remember a preacher described this years ago. He says, you know, God makes churches, or, and, and I won't say the word church because we're talking about Ecclesia, but God organizes believers under his vision. All right? Now pay attention because this is really important about even about this church in Heavenville. Is this church for everybody? Probably not. Why? Because this church is really dynamic and really different than most churches. In, in other words, not most churches, but, you know, we have our plan, we have our missions, we have whatever. And some people will come and say, you know what, I don't really like all this Cuba talk. I don't really... I think, you know, and we've had those people in our church. You know, years and years ago, we were doing, we were all over the map. I mean, we were in prison ministry. We were doing everything. And, and we were all in Ukraine, and we were, you know, all over the place. And a certain person in our church that left the church got mad because we're not doing enough locally. And I was thinking, wow, we were doing everything locally that we could possibly do. We were even visiting a nursing home. We had great teams back there. It was a really good season of the church. But my point is that that's not a bad person. He's not a bad person. He's not a... He's not a critical person of our ministry. He's just simply in the wrong church. Do you get me? It's, it doesn't make him a bad person, he, but he's got to find his place. Because God organizes believers under his agenda. Now, his agenda, we'll, we'll hit some of that today if we have time, but it's really simple. It's simply save the lost, right? That's basically the agenda. But the, the, so now you have a church that could be, in our case, very strong missional speaking. In other words, we're big on missions where you have another church that maybe is big on, you know, prison ministry or something, or localized ministry, or youth ministry, or, or whatever. Now, we have to cover all of them. Don't misunderstand me. But if you look across the, the globe, ministries, and I'm talking good ministries, you know, solid ministries, they're usually focused kind of in one area. They're not all over the map. And that's, what, that's the key to understanding what I'm talking about this morning, because if you're called to this church, then God has something for you to do. I'll just preach to this side, because this side's... Don't want to hear that. 
Because nobody, I go to church because I have all these needs, Pastor. Yes, we all have needs. Guess what? I have a lot of needs today. That didn't stop me from preaching. That didn't stop me from playing. That didn't stop me from nothing. I could shut my whole life down because we are going through, you know, my, my daughter was in the emergency room yesterday. Not that it matters to you, but it does matter to me a lot. But, you know, I still had a job to do here. Now, she's fine. She's home. And, but I went there and I stayed with her until we got her out and got her home. So we all have life. We all have life coming at us from, you know, and I was like one text away from texting H and Kathy like, hey, this is going on. I don't know where it's going. But if it doesn't, if she doesn't come out, I'm not coming to church. Sorry. My family comes first. Is that okay? Is that okay with you if your family comes first? All right. So we're good on that one. Oh, I can't believe Pastor didn't show up because he's taking care of his daughter. Really? How many times didn't you show up to church because you were taking care of your kids? It's all right. Now that we got all that out of the way, I'm here because I'm called. And I actually had a conversation with God yesterday as I was praying for my daughter as I was headed to Laredo. I said, Lord, she's healed in the name of Jesus. But right now, my calling is dad. <laughs> okay? And, my, and tomorrow, my calling will be pastor. And if you want me to fulfill my calling tomorrow as pastor then you need to get my baby out of the hospital. And guess what? She's home. And she's fine. It wasn't a major in anything. So callings, you know, just remember, I know I'm kind of off subject, but you've got to understand, it is what God puts on you, but it's nothing harsh. So it is an impulse. And I talked about this, oh my gosh, probably a couple months now. You know, one of the things in, in my life, when I first got born again, coming out from a very, very riotous life, but I'm talking like two weeks in of, of getting my stuff together. I had the desire to go to prison ministry. And I wasn't qualified. I was barely saved. But I could attach myself to the team. And, and they said, well, what are you going to do? I'll just carry the Bibles. All right, that's your job. Carry the Bibles. That's my calling. Because the calling was based on an impulse. And when I say an impulse, not the kind of impulse you see you want to buy something. Oh, I'm going to buy it. No. It is like Jeremiah said, there's a fire within my bones that I can't quench. And even if I don't want to do it, I, you know, there's, come on, guys, there's a lot of times I don't want to be here. Can I just be honest with you all this morning? You know, sometimes, you know, Sunday morning bed, for whatever reason, feels way better than any other morning bed. <laughs> I think the devil comes at night and puffs up the pillows and, you know, flips them over so you get the cool side, you know. So, question, and don't answer it, but if you're taking notes, because we're already in, in where we need to be. Is there anything in your spirit that impulses you to a particular course of action. Now, just leave that hanging because that is really the first steps to discover where God will use you. Because another misconception is that, well, God is going to use me within the structure. I don't even want to use the word church because we're trying to work on something else. So God's going to use me within the structure of the church, meaning I'm going to serve ushers. I'm going to, yeah, that's wonderful, and we need that. Like Kathy said, we need people. If you care for, for the future of the kids of this community, you need to start thinking about helping out. Because what we're doing, we're not, we're not entertaining them. We're hopefully planting seeds that will help when they have to decide what gender they are, for God's sake. You'd realize what your kids are coming to, right? They're absolutely insanity now. So we believe, again, we're not anti-anything, but we believe we've got to plant those seeds. So now, now if you're called to children's ministry, you're not called there to give them Kool-Aid and a piece of cake. You're called there to influence their lives to plant something in them that hopefully will create a moral compass and a, and a desire for God and when they grow up it will protect them 
Do you see how, how important this is? I really see, you know, again, Pastor, you're, I remember somebody telling me, you're so extreme on everything. No, that's just the way I'm wired. I believe life and death issues are happening within our children's ministry. I really believe that. Sorry, you know, you're, you're, I don't believe I do believe it. I believe that one word said wrong or one word said right will completely influence that, the trajectory of that child's life. Amen? So to me, it is very serious to have them in the nursery since they're born because their whole life, it revolves around a moral foundation and an honor to God. And guess what happens when they honor God? They honor their parents. So you're helping yourself out. You're actually sowing into your own future. So you've got a three-year-old. Guess what? That three-year-old will be 17. And you better hope he knows what honor your father and your mother means when he hits that ripe old age of 13, 14, 15 when he thinks he's got it all together. Are you with me? So I'm trying to describe why we do what we do. I'm a little off subject, but somebody, maybe somebody needs to hear, when we, oh, here we go, they want volunteers. No, we don't want volunteers. We want to save the life of these kids. Now, I can't clone myself, and none of our leaders can, but if we could, trust me, these leaders, I know our leaders, if they could just split themselves in ten pieces, they would cover every area. But that's not what we're searching. So remember this, when a strong impulse or its particular course of action, and then, of course, a spiritual part would be especially when accompanied by conviction of divine influence. So that's, that's the God part. Now, let's, let's keep moving. I want you to open your Bibles to um, Proverbs chapter 31. Well, it's up here. And I'm, I'm going to just go through these three scriptures quickly. I don't want to park and preach them. But I want to start, you know, taking this message to the place where you really understand what a calling is. So let's just shotgun these really quick. Proverbs 31, 8 and 9. So we're, right now we're dealing for the why we do what we do. Why, is, why are we called? Okay. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. That's a very good one. That is one of the foundations of, of what I believe God called me to do. You know, our whole ministry has been hovering around third world nations. It's, you know, I, I joke about this, but I've never really had a ministry in the United States. In other words, I don't have a circuit where I go preach all these American churches. And this, you know, I don't do that. Where does God send me? To people, to the prison ministry, to Cuba, to Ukraine, to Mexico, to the Navajo Nation. All the places that are been beat down pretty bad. So one of the things that we do is God gives us a voice. Speak for those who cannot speak for themselves. For the rights of all who are destitute, speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. Okay, we'll just leave that one because, you know, we have a lot of stuff here. That is a calling to believers. Now, you say, well, it's in the, it's, it's, you know, it's in the Old Testament, whatever, you know. It's still a calling. This is God's heart. Isaiah 117 says, learn to do right, seek justice, Defend the oppressed. Take up a cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. What do we see here? In this scripture, we see a group of people that are taking care of the broken things of society. Can I hear an amen? That's what it says, right? You look at society, even Heavenville Society, any society, you know, any social place, they have all kinds of issues, right? You got people on drugs, you got people that are sick, you got people that are dying, you got people that are poor. Well, guess what part of the church job is? To make sure to see these things, right? It says learn to do right. And then it, I'll bring it to the New Testament. Jesus simply made a very simple commandment about our calling. He says, I, a, a new commandment I give to you. Oh, this is really going to be hard, right? Actually, it is pretty hard. <laughs> to love one another. I did a whole series years ago on just that one idea of one another, and it's, it's powerful. You know, of putting your life. 
And then he goes on to say, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all the people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So Jesus, in one scripture, well, in a series, you know, a couple of verses, they weren't, obviously there weren't verses back then. He's saying something that is so powerful and so deep, but it seems like the church, again, I'm talking global church, don't look at one organization, kind of like put this one down there. I mean, it's in there, we believe it, we preach it, but it really has a long way before it's in full application. Because we love one another as long as they are loving us back. And that's not what it means. (laughs) That means they love one another regardless of who one another is. And so right here, you see, in these three scriptures, you see, I'm just going to summarize, you see, and there's a lot like this, by the way, but in the Old Testament, there was a call to be a voice for the oppressed. There was a call to help the needy. A big part of the Mosaic law covers taking care of the widows, taking care of the foreigners, taking care of, of, you know, the, the fatherless. That is a big part of the Torah. Well, Jesus didn't do away with the Torah. He brought it back in the revelation of covenant. Y'all sit with me? I don't want to go too deep. So all these are about helping the oppressed, helping those that are broken, helping those that are down, helping those that are going through a rough time. That is who the calling was to a broken people. All right? Just leave that hanging. Let's go to the next one. Now, God's calling, first and foremost, you have to say is God's will. Would you agree with that? How can he call you into something that's not his will? That's ridiculous. That doesn't even make sense. So before I break down how are you going to discover your calling, let's just break down some of what his calling is because his calling or his will, sorry, not his calling, his will will completely, completely, completely identify what you're called to do. You're not going to do something that is counter to his will, all right? So again, these are just a few scriptures. There's many, many scriptures that cover the will of God. So I just picked a few to understand what God's will is. So 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18 says, Rejoice always. You guys writing this down because this is will? Rejoice always. So why are you all looking at me like you're on jury duty or something? Rejoice always. Ah, Fake it if, you know. Then another one, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Well, we had a prayer service here last Wednesday. Some of you were here. So that is a call to pray. How about this one? Give thanks in all circumstances. (laughs) All circumstances. Sometimes... You know, it's easy to say thank you when things are going good, but when things are going bad, well, he says, just say thank you. And then he says, for this is the will of God. So if you want to start structuring your calling to God or what am I supposed to do in this life, what is my purpose in life, why am I even breathing today, there are going to be some foundational things. There will be a specific thing that God's equipped you and gifted you to do, but he's not going to go away from these things. Does that make sense? Because these are foundational. So, so you can say, well, I'm going to go find what God's will for my life is, but you're not, you're not praying, you're never going to find it. And praying is not like you lock yourself up 24 hours. I've, I've talked about this so many times. It just means you don't turn it off. I mean, you just stay connected. You know? But, it's, but a, you can always tell somebody who's been in prayer. Why? Because even though they're going through a really difficult time, there's a sense of peace on them. I mean, they can go through. I've, I've seen people that are going through literally some hellish, hellish attacks. And you see them and they're glowing. And they got people dying in the hospital, and they got really bad situations, and they're glowing like, and you know that that person has been in the presence of God. That's the only reason they can have that peace. So you see that they're foundation things. So one of them is you've got to keep your joy on, and that is not an easy thing. 
There's a lot of things in there. I mean, turn on the news. There goes your joy real quick. <laughs> right? So, you know, and, and, and rejoice is not just being silly and funny. It's just having that peace that God's got this thing. But that comes from a characteristic. So, you know, in his will, you should, be, you should develop these things. You should develop in your life somebody that is, how can I put it, that can carry peace even through storms. Let me just put it that way. Another, it's somebody that's connected to dad. Somebody that's talking, it doesn't matter, you know, he, he's not getting on his knees, you know, he might be driving down the highway, but he's talking to God. And he's having conversations, and real conversations. Like I, I always tell people, if you can talk to God when you're, when you're really mad, that's a good, you're in the right place. Because some people think that you disqualify. Well, I'm angry, I can't, no, God wants to hear what you're mad about. And then he'll straighten you out. <laughs> but he says, this is the will of God. So you see three things, rejoice, pray, and give thanks. Foundational. First Peter says, for this is the will of God. Here's another one. What? Y'all, come on, look at the screen. Do good. Boy, this is so deep. <laughs> Just do good. In other words, Kelvin Box translation, don't be an idiot. There's a lot of mean Christians. I'll tell you one thing. If it was for Christians, I probably wouldn't be a Christian. I'm sorry. I, you know, I'll tell you that. There's so many Christians trying to derail me when I was trying to get my life together that if it wasn't for grace, I wouldn't be here. So don't be that guy or gal, all right? For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put silence to the ignorance of foolish people. I got an invite, and I'll, and I'll, I'll say it because I, I was invited. I'm not going to participate, but you're welcome to participate. And I don't know all the details because it was like late at night, and I kind of saw it on the Facebook. But they're having like a meeting here in Heavenville, like they're going to do a pro-life thing and whatever. And that's fine. If you all want to go, that's fine. I, don't, I wouldn't go to that. Why? Because I don't think that's how you get things done. I don't think you get things done by attacking. And I'm not saying they're going to attack. I'm just saying sometimes they go, I'm pro-life. I'm pro-choice. Now we have a division. Of course I'm pro-life, but I've got to find a way I can talk to the pro-choice people. Because I don't need to talk to the pro-life people. They, they got it. Oh, y'all, y'all not hearing me. <laughs> Doing good is the thing we got to do. That's why I won't pick at anything. Because, I, I, you know, if you're outside of abortion clinic and here comes a lady that's completely stressed out about the decision she just made, because it can't be an easy decision, and you got a bunch of Christians, murder, baby killer, how in the world is that going to help that, that lady? How in the world are you going to reach out that maybe she still has a chance to make a decision to give that ch- child some life? By you over there picketing and t- calling her a murderer. Are you kidding me? That's not, that's, not what, that's not the body of Christ. The body of Christ silences the fools by being good. Not by being... And, and here's, you know, here's my little thing, and, I, and I'll touch it. You know, I am, as you know, proud of American. I love this nation. I've been to enough nations to know this is the best nation. I love the flag. I believe I'm a patriot. But I've got to be careful... Very careful not to politicize God. Ooh, it's getting quiet in our conservative church this morning. Because God was never designed to be politicized. You can be a Republican, you can be a conservative, but don't try to mix it all up. Because God is still concerned about that. Y'all with me? We are called to do good. And we are called to silence ignorance of foolish people, not by being a greater fool, 
because that's what they're doing, right? Look at the news. Look, you know, they're picketing and doing all their little thing. And here come the Christians. They do a thing. And now we got a war. <laughs> no, he says you silence them by doing good. I, there was a story. What was it? I don't want to get it wrong. It was, it was a really good story. I forget what church it was. I believe it was. I don't, I don't want to say denomination. I think I know, but I, just, I won't say it. But there was, there was this, um, this place back, in, back when, the, when the pride parades and all that thing was getting big. And, of course, the, the Christians would organize and all the churches on one side and they would picket it, right, and tell them they're all going to hell. And, you know, they probably are, but that's not, <laughs> that's not a, our call. And all the churches would organize to, to, to picket the pride parade, but there was one church that decided to hand out water. There was one church that decided not to be them. And I forget how the story goes, but it was such an amazing story because that church reached out to so many people, and there were actually people, because I kept reading this, you know, that followed through. They actually came back. And there's a last one that there was actually a couple couples that gave up their lifestyle. Not because somebody picketed, but because somebody loved. Y'all with me now? I'm not off subject. So the calling always will be wrapped up around doing good and loving people. And if you ever have you find your yourself in a position as a believer where you're, you're doing something, because this happens in church. You get mad at people in church. <laughs> and it's okay to a point, but the problem is, if you're that person, if you're looking at what everybody else is doing, you're not looking at what you're supposed to be doing. Because he says, this is the will of God. You know, our concern is to do good. This is not deep, church. And I challenge you, if you, need, you know, well, I came to this church, I need a message to make my week better. Do good. And watch do good things come into you. Because that's another scripture that says, don't you ever get tired of doing good. Isn't that? Galatians, chapter 6. Especially to the household of faith. That's what the scripture says. So these are just some foundations. So once you decide, and again, I could have pulled out a lot of scriptures, but I didn't. So you find out, you know, that one of the things that God wants in his calling is to have the peace of God. The other thing is that the calling will be surrounded with being good to people. And then the last one is, therefore, do not be foolish but understand the will of God. So it is a very important thing that you work on this idea because like it or not, you are called. Well, Pastor, what if I don't do anything? Nothing happens. God still loves you. You still get to heaven. You still, you know, nothing happens. But what happens if you do start stepping into it, you'll have the greatest adventure of your life. Amen. All right, moving on. So, Ephesians 4. We're almost there, guys. Just bear with me. I I just pulled out the Passion Translation because it reads so good. I had King James earlier. So it says, as a prisoner of the Lord, and he meaning that he was in prison, I plead with you to walk holy in a way that is suitable to your high rank, pay attention now, given to you. In, the location is in, your divine calling. Let's, let, let's just take it down. Walk holy in a way that is suitable to your high rank given to your divine calling. Now, I'm not going to break up the whole thing of walking holy. We talked about it a little bit last week. You know, what, what the religion has called holiness and what God calls holiness are a little different. Because <laughs> religion is all about the outside. Look holy! And God was all about the inside. Amen? So anyway. Then he goes on. Because now that, now that he has mentioned the calling, 
pay very close attention to the following scriptures because everything here are things that you need to develop in your life if you're going to walk in this. So he begins to say, with tender humility. Okay, that's a, that's a characteristic you've got to develop. If you're not a humble person, you better work on it. And quiet patience. Oh, I need help on that one. Anybody need help on quiet patience? Mexicans, we don't know what quiet, you know, we can wait, but we can't be quiet. We can wait all day, but we're going to smart our mouth off all day. You know, as we'll wait. So what is quiet patience? Well, resting in God. And then he says, are you guys ready? Because, boy, do I need, you know, talk about mean Christians. Look at your neighbor and say, I hope you're not a mean Christian. Just, just go ahead and tell somebody. Because I'm about to describe you what a, <laughs> what a mean Christian looks like. Demonstrate gentleness. Christians, y'all need to be gentle. All right? I, I just want to preach every single word on that thing, and I'm not going to do it. Generous. Hallelujah. Gloria. I thought you would be more exciting about that one. Love towards, generous love towards one another. Generous love towards one another. I, don't answer the question, but I'll throw it out there. When you come to church, this church, of course, Heaven Mills is a small community, what have you. We greet each other and we hug each other. Love you, brother. Do you show that same affection when you run into that person out there? Calladito. All right, well, just leave it there. Because, you know, you're talking about your calling never turns off. Am I just called to be in church? Amen. I, I, you guys want a good one? Forget y'all. How about me? People that come to church, and then you see them somewhere and they look like they saw poop. And I'm like, hey, brother, glory to God, you know, like all nacio, you know. No, I don't do that. I don't do that. But it's like, last Sunday you were all nice to me, now you saw me, you're like, ooh. You know what it is? They don't want to be ashamed because they talk to the church down the street guy, you know. No, no, we, can't, we have to stop playing games, guys. That, that really is the thing. We are brothers and sisters in the Lord. 24 hours 7. You see, God is watching your calling because how can you relate to, 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 a, to a, let me put it this way, how can you help somebody that's completely lost if you can't even relate to the, your, your family? Does that make sense? You know, so humility, patience, gentleness, love towards one another. These are things that are, I'm still not even like, what is my calling, Pastor? I'm building it. But these are all the foundations. This is for everybody. You know, one, somewhere here it might come out that you're called to preach Jesus in China. Well, glory to God. But before you get to that, you're going to have to build the foundation of your character. The church needs character. And as much as we want to, to have a good character of the church, at the end of the day, this is the church. And you have to think about it. Because if you misbehave, you take all of us down. Now, I'm not trying to control you. I'm just saying, but we have a standard, right? We're not better than anybody, but we're trying to live a certain way, and make certain adjustments. So you can't say I'm a believer and then go outside and treat everybody like dirt. Got us a few holy grunts out of that one. Glory to God. How about faithfulness? Be faithful to guard the sweet harmony of the Holy Spirit among you in the bonds of peace. Wow, that is so, 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 so deep. And not deep that you don't understand it, but he's taking, are you taking care of the presence? You remember when you say pray without ceasing? That's what he's talking about. 
because somebody's communicating with God all the time, is considering the Holy Spirit in him. Because the Holy Spirit is with you. And, and sometimes I think, I'm, I'm, I'm talking things that I'm guilty of. You get all spiritual in church, and just wait till you get to Laredo and see how quick they take your spirituality <laughs> over there. <laughs> There's some crazy drivers over there. Oh, God. But you know, I have to say, be faithful to guard the sweet harmony. He said, guard it. Protect harmony. Do y'all know what harmony is? I mean, y'all know kind of what it is. You know, if I could get Kathy, she could get up here and explain it from a musical perspective. And I'm not, I probably ruined this, Kathy, so you can fix it. Because I just have my weird musical ideas. So harmony, you're singing in one voice. And then you can go up, you know, to the fifth or the root or, you know, another note within the key. And you found, and you, you guys hear it up here because they do a great job with harmony. One voice is different than the other, right? But when you bring them together, it just makes a beautiful sound. There's a unison in there, but they're not the same. There's unison, but they're not the same. What, that is exactly what the Holy Spirit's trying to get you to understand. Be faithful to guard that sweet harmony. Holy Spirit speaking one voice. And you're not God. Some of you are like, no. Yeah, no, you're not. Trust me. And he has a voice. His ways are higher, remember, Isaiah? But if, you have the, if you're protecting the sweet harmony, you, ha- you have a different voice. But when they get together, it just sounds like one voice. That's called authority. Because when your voice is sounding in one harmony with God, guess what happens when you begin to pray for things? Guess what happens when you declare? Guess what happens when you're like in a diff- like what Kathy shared about, and, and, you know, we, we saw her go through this last year, you know, really, really serious situation. But when, what happens when it's like, get up and pray? Right? And if you remember her story, that's what broke it, right? I mean, when you finally got out of the hospital, then oh. So what's happening? That harmony is coming together. And then things get to moving. So before any calling is discussed, like, what am I supposed to do? There's, all, there's just a simple foundation. Pastor, just too much information. No. You want to summarize it? Love. That's it. Love and mind your own business. How about that? <laughs> if you do those two, you'll be fine. Just love. And, you, know, says me teacher, you know, just love and stay in your lane. And you'll be fine. But the problem is, I love everybody. And then you start criticizing everybody outside your lane. No, that doesn't work that way. So you got patience, you got faithfulness to protect the Holy Spirit. And then, of course, in the last that scripture, he says, being one body, one spirit, as you were all called into the same glorious hope of divine destiny. Now, you can go reading into Ephesians 4, and he keeps going on this. He talks about one baptism, one God, one spirit. I mean, he just keeps building, building. At the end of the conversation, what is he getting to? Our calling will never be a single calling. It is a calling that joins up to one calling. It's his calling. And for it to flow, we have to move in love. We have to move in this idea that, okay, yes, I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. We're not perfect. But we have the ability to love. And I'm telling you, I, I know this church would explode in so many areas if we just manage this better. You know, just to go, you know, what are we doing in Cuba? Love. You know, what are we doing here? Love. There's no other reason. Because love is not talking about I love my puppy. He's talking about an agape giving of yourself, willing to put your life down to help somebody else. Are you still with me? You say, well, I'm not willing to do that. Well, that's fine. Like I said, none of this is going to send you to hell. None of this is going to lose your salvation. But God wants you efficient and effective and working 
in a very simple form, you know, because your ministry is your whole life. You'll be a blessing at your workplace. Are you with me? You know, he's not, let's go to church so we can find our calling. No, you want to see your calling work? Tomorrow in the office. Amen? All right, let's go to the next one. Okay, let's break it down. So, we're almost where we need to be. Let's look at my clock. I still got time. Praise God. So let's talk about your gift. What is your gift? Are you using it? And the other one I want to deal with in a moment is make sure you don't disqualify yourself. Okay, so first Peter said it very, I mean, Peter said it, or first Peter, Peter said it, writing in first Peter, as each has received a gift. Okay, stop. There's no excuses left for you to say, I got here late. All the gifts are gone. They closed the gift shop. I'm just called to bench the woman. Right there. Sit there and take notes in my Bible. That's my calling, Pastor. No, it's not. Everyone is called. Okay? And then he tells you, each has received a gift. What do you do with this gift? Use it. Use it so people think you're all it. Use it to increase your finances. Use it to become a rock star. No. Use it to serve. See, then again, that's contrary to Adamic human nature because ah, why should I? I got my own life to worry about. I got my own kids. I got my own problems. Oh, I okay, whatever. The thing is that you're, the thing that you're not understanding when you get that attitude is that everything in this system is wired from the principle of seed time and harvest. Everything. You're here because of that principle, all right? I'm not going to expound on that. But my point is, when you begin to serve, things, other things in your life just kind of get adjusted. That doesn't mean everything's perfect. It just means as you serve his children, God's working on your children. Because he doesn't keep any of this. You sow to see, you know, these, I've always told, you know, and I'm not saying that to promote anybody to sign up, but when you're over there with those babies, and you're like, I don't even have babies. You might have grandbabies in the future. And you're sowing a seed into those babies that somebody's going to love them and nurture them and give them two hours of their time so when your babies come around, there'll be somebody that loves them and nurtures them and gives them a couple hours of their time. Are you with me? The whole system is wired like this. You can't, you can't get away from this. Some people will fight it, but, you know, the na- nature itself tells us the system is seed time and harvest. Nothing here just happened. It comes seed time, harvest time. So Peter's saying, as each has received a gift, okay, you've got to give. Now, there's only one reason to use this gift. Well, not one, various reasons, but primarily it's to serve. It's to serve one another. So once you, once you, once you know that, okay, so what's my calling, Pastor? Well, I don't know what your specific calling is. That's between you and the Lord. But I can tell you one thing it's going to be, it, that calling is to serve people. Your gift is never for you. You know, this is not Christmas. Oh, I got a gift. <laughs> That's not the kind of gift. It's actually Christmas in reverse. I have a gift. I got to give it to you. Because it, 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 it serves me no purpose unless I plant it. It serves me no purpose unless I use it, if you back up a few scriptures, to be good. Are you with me? My gift has no purpose if I don't use it to, to be patient with you and to be lovely and to do all these things that God is just telling me, just chill out, love people. <laughs> that is for you. Whatever gifting in my life I have is not for me. It's for you. Amen? And I, it's my job to make sure that I polish it, 
that I present it right, that I cherish it, that I take it very serious. And I do. I, you know, again, I, I say this too many times, but you don't get sandwiches here. I mean, at least on my end, you don't. Meaning, oh, what am I going to preach on Sunday, Saturday night, 12 at night? Uh, okay, just this one. I'll pull this file out. We'll preach this. Huh, it doesn't work that way. I'm chewing on this thing all week, and I'll make a little note here. I'm even driving, and I'll speak notes, you know, because like, oh, that's a good idea. There's a lot of work. There's a lot of cooking here. You know, you got to get the ingredients, and, and you can ask my family, you know, they watch me. They'll see me sitting with a laptop. They'll see me sitting with the iPad, and, you know, and I'm not like, lock yourself up. Oh, God, we'll be watching TV, and I'll be working on it. But I'm saying is my gift has to be taken care of because if I don't take care of my gift, I lose it. I don't know if I, I don't, I don't think you can lose it. Let me fix that. I don't think you lose it. I just think it becomes non-effective. I don't think you lose your gift because God said, I have given you something that is special to you and to you only. That's why you should never try to imitate anybody. You should never try to compare yourself to anybody because you are unique in your own special way. And that is a problem with society because we see things on TV and we watch people and we got to dress this way, we got to talk this way, we gotta, and pretty soon we're like really trying to live somebody else's life and, you know, trying to, oh, I just got to be like, no, you don't, you don't got to be like anybody. You got to be like you. And in that you, God will use you to do some amazing, amazing things. So as each has received the gift, use it to serve one another. And then he says, as a good steward. Well, what does that even mean? That's manager. That's your modern word for manager. Anybody have a managerial position at work in any way? That's what he said. You've got to manage this gift. You don't just, I got the gift. And, and treat it like some kind of non-important thing. He says, each has received a gift. Use it to serve one another. Okay, I'm, gonna, I'm serving you this morning by teaching, but I'm not done yet. I've got to make sure I'm a good steward. Because something about that gift, and, and this will clear up a lot of people that think or, or, or say things that aren't really God, Varied grace. God's not going to give. This is what I don't understand, and y'all can help me straighten me out. Not right now, but later, because I'm the one that's talking right now. <laughs> I have a big problem with watchdog ministries. If you don't know what I'm talking about, that's not the name of a ministry. That just means ministries that their whole life is deciding which churches are heretical and which are not. And they're, you know, they crucify. And you know, some people probably should be crucified. You know, I'm not talking like literally. I'm talking. They'll put them out there and say, you're not a Christian because your church, you know, they're, and they're, that's all they do.
didn't continue to see those faces in the different areas of your life because you really were working on it. God likes it. Amen? All right. Moving on. We're almost there. Give me the next one. So let's look at this one, and I just want to clarify this one because I've been thinking about this all week, but it's coming together. And then I'm going to give you a few steps. We still have a few minutes. Let us consider how to stir up one another. How many did that this week? <laughs> Let's be honest. Nobody really. Oh, I wonder how I could stir up somebody this week. Well, I know how to do it in the bad way. Now, Laudo's not here, but he stirred me up this morning. Amen. Because he shows up here with a buccaneer shirt. Knowing that this church is dedicated to God, that God loves the cowboys. We know that. Anyway, just messing. Let us consider how to stir up. Question. Have you been thinking of somebody, don't raise your hand, answer it on the inside. Have you been thinking of somebody this week that you haven't seen in church for a while? You know why you're thinking that? Not because you're a good person, because the Holy Spirit made you think that. <laughs> because you know what the Holy Spirit's trying to get? He's trying to get you to stir up somebody. To call them, see how they're doing. Check up on them. You know, again, we've got to beat this thing of the idea of church. A lot of people, are, are, they come to church, and then they miss a Sunday, and then they get under condemnation. So they miss another Sunday, another Sunday, and then they just don't come to church. That is a horrible mistake. And if that's what the church has created, we need to fix it. Because it is not that. The body of Christ, remember, the ecclesia is not the building. It's this moving, breathing body. So as we're talking about our gifts, pay attention. Let us consider how we stir up one another to love and good works. Again, church, you're not going to get away from this thing of, of good works. Not neglecting to meet together. Now, that right there has been preached. Come to church. And there's a truth in there, except for one little problem. When it was written, this didn't exist. They were gathering in homes. They were gathering outside the temple. They were gathering where they wouldn't get killed. But they didn't go, we're going to church. <laughs> they didn't have that. So to me, that kind of changed things because this now brings this scripture into an obligation. That's a big, that's a hard word. A responsibility on the body because we're like, uh, I got to bring somebody to church. Pastor said we got to invite people to church. And then you have these special things. Nothing wrong with that, but like, come back to church Sunday and we make a big campaign and all those things are good. But at the end of the day, this is how it works. A little ecclesia goes to see the other ecclesia and sees why they haven't been around. And they encourage them and they stir them up and then those two go look for another one that, you know, is over here broken and they meet together with him. And they stir him up and then the three get together and they go look for this guy across town that's in the gutter you know, and, they, and then and they're over there, and they meet together with him. Are you following? Pay attention, because that's exactly what that scripture means. It never meant come to church and hang out. It meant not neglecting to meet together. You need fellowship. Your gift needs fellowship. Your calling needs fellowship. You need this, not, not the building. You need people of like precious faith. You need somebody that you can call. You need to call people. That's what that scripture means. The ecclesia could not have been organized under a building because it didn't work that way. Like I said, all this is new. I mean, newer to the book of Acts. 
So, so the Ecclesia, when this was written, and was written to the most persecuted church, which was the, the church in Jerusalem, that's why it's the book of Hebrews. It is the only letter that's written to God's people. It's the only one. All the other letters, and we assume Paul wrote it, but we don't really know. All the other letters are to Gentile churches. The Thessalonian church, you know, Thessalonica, Galatia, Corinth, Ephesus. They're all, they're all Gentiles. They're like us. But the Hebrew was a Jewish that had believed in Jesus and were the most heavily persecuted. So this has a lot of significance. These people are getting murdered for their faith. They're getting their house burned down. Read it. Hebrews chapter 10. He describes what they went through. In Hebrews 10, he says what they're going through. He says, even when they took all your stuff and burned it all down, you were still focused on God. This is an intense book. But what he is saying, he is, he is directing this, this idea to a people that know God and are under heavy persecution. Heavy persecution. Possibly worse persecution than any of the other churches of the first century. So, now if you see it in that light, let us consider how to stir up one another. To love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, was to gather them and let them know, hey, we got you, we're here for you. That's what Paul was doing on his mission trip, raising money. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Those two chapters that are about money were not about money for him. They were about money for them. Amen? That's what it was. Like When I talk about Cuba, it's not money for me, it's money for them. That's what Paul was doing. So now that you see the little bit of insight into the historical aspect of this, now it really means a lot more because now it's about encouraging one another. Don't give up, man. I know it's rough. Just don't give up. I don't know if I should have done this Jesus thing. You know, I'm going, no, no, come here. We'll, we'll help you out. That was a church. There was no need among them. We talked about that last week. So even though it's a wonderful scripture to tell people to come to church, it is not about church attendance. It is about the gathering together. So the ecclesia has always, always has to be gathering together. Well, Pastor, what does that have to do with my calling? Your gift includes that. You are gifted to stir up one another. All right. So I just want to mention that because we kind of get this mindset that, okay, 12 o'clock, we're done. No. You came. You got trained. You go out to the mission field and be a blessing and, and light your shine and let, make somebody's week just a little bit better because you're breathing. Come on. That's what it's about. It's not just about making converts. It's about shining your light. And hopefully they'll, see, they'll be so excited about the light, they'll say, well, I want Jesus. See, the church got it wrong. They say, you need Jesus. We went all over the world and colonizing and putting Christians into cultures and trying to convert people and torturing people. to convert. I mean, it's crazy. That the, the, yeah, the history of the church is insane. That was never what it was. Because there wasn't, you know, it was always about this moving, breathing thing. So your gift is part of that. Okay. Let's finish this, RJ. Let's go, okay. Guidelines to identify your calling. I'm going to go through these. Not, I'm not going to go real fast, but I want you to make some notes. This is, so say, okay, pastor, now that I got this all straight, I got my foundations, what am I supposed to do? Well, I don't know. I can't tell you that, but I can tell you how to lean into it. Number one, what most excites you or enrages you? Is there anything about society that just really makes you angry in a, in a good way? Righteous anger. Not, you know, destruction anger. Is there something that bugs you? You know, maybe, you know, teenage pregnancy or, you know, abuse or domestic violence. I mean, I could go down a list, drug addictions. Is there anything you say, man, you know, if I could make a difference, I would make the difference here. 
That is a good indication of where God's calling you to do. Because the word passion means suffering. But it also means you are... The word passion is a really interesting word because, you know, when you saw the movie The Passion of the Christ, the title meant the suffering of Christ. But the word passion means suffering with purpose. (laughs) Some of you are like, I don't like any form of suffering. I don't like purpose suffering. I don't like non-purpose suffering. I just don't like suffering. Well, nobody likes suffering. But when you have passion, you are willing to go through it. Amen? When you see, when you see those, you know, the players, <coughs> you know, like we will this afternoon as we beat Tampa, these guys <laughs> are there not just because they're really good. They're really good because they had a lot of passion. Amen? When you wonder, I can't believe those guys are making $40 million. Yeah, that's probably too much, but guess what? They really worked hard to get there. They suffered a lot. They went through a lot. As much as, you know, whatever. Passion means you are willing to go through something even if it's painful because the end result is worth it. So is there anything in your life that causes you passion regarding being a light, regarding being a blessing. You know, talking to... There she is. You guys, don't move around. Because sometimes Janice sits here and now she's over here. So I gotta, where's she going? Okay. You know, talking to Janice, you know, we talked about what, what the work they're doing in Mexico, I mean Mexico, in Cuba, with um, the children and so forth. And back in, a few years ago, when the ladies' ministry was getting organized around this, and, and Miriam and Araceli, um, we had talked, well, you know, let's, 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 you know, what if we take one to the Navajo Nation? Maybe we could take one down to Mexico Church. We take one... And that, that's, you know, that's a wonderful idea. It's a great idea. But at the end of the day, the passion that's, that's driving her was Cuba. Correct? Not only Cuba. It wasn't like, yeah, I mean, Navajo Nation would be awesome. But, but it was. So what is, what is that? I'm just using her as an example to help you. That is an indicator of where your gift is. Because, yeah, you could do vacation. I mean, you could do, you know, children's ministry in a lot of locations. But if God really has you in one place, that is a good indicator. So, you know, passion, not just on what enrages you, but what excites you. You know, maybe you're excited about, you know, getting young people excited. Well, then you're called a youth ministry. I'm not sure how you're called a baby ministry, but if you're excited about babies crying and pooping, then you're called a baby ministry. Not just kidding. Number one, what excites you, what enrages you. Number two. Take a life inventory. Now, this is the one I hit right at the beginning that I want to bring it down. Take a life inventory. In other words, your calling did not just show up, like today. Like, oh, I'm called. No. Actually, when you were born, that calling was placed in you, regardless if you were a believer or not. Because that's what Ephesians says. Right? Before time, God had a purpose. Now, you can reject God and never be God, and that's the end of that. But if you choose God, that calling's been all the time. So you take an inventory reflecting past callings. Maybe you weren't like into this, but you were, you were focused. It was an area where even though you weren't in the Christian ball or the Christian atmosphere, you were still helping people. You were still doing something to help society. So that could be a, a past calling. But the other one is, and I know this is a little more for people that are already flowing in ministry, but you have to talk about put your old callings to rest if they're no longer alive for you. Now, that's happened to me. Now, that doesn't mean God can't make it come back alive. But I, I, can tell, I can't tell you the moment. I, well, I can tell you the moment. I can't remember the day of the day. But for years and years and years, I did youth ministry. So we do Sunday morning, like this. 
And then we do Sunday night. And there was a season back in 2004, 2005, back in there. Some of you might remember. Some of you have been here that long. This church had more young people than we did adults. Every Sunday night we had, right, we had upwards of 120 young people in this building. It was a wild. I mean, we had smoke machines. We had, we'd bring bands in. We'd feed them every Sunday. And it was a really good season, and, and that's when we, you know, 2004, we did the youth ministry in Ukraine, so forth and so on. And then I remember, you know, the youth ministry took a lot of different directions. You know, if they come or they go, that doesn't change your ministry. Say amen. If people come or, if people stop coming to church, that doesn't change what I'm called to do. Amen. But the, you know, the, the, the youth dwindled, but we still had a good core group. You know, we probably had 20 or 30 still very consistent young people. And it's hard to do youth ministry in Heavenville because when they graduate from high school, boom, they're gone, right? They, they don't stick around. But I remember the day, there was a guy, and some of you remember Ben, a good guy, and he was helping me with youth, youth ministry. We're kind of cold. Really good guy. He's up in, um, up there in mid, near Austin now. But anyway, um, I remember coming to Ben, and it was right before a service. And I just felt that whole thing disappear. I said, Ben, I'm done. He said, what do you mean done, Pastor? I'm not doing youth ministry anymore. And that was the last time I did youth ministry. That was in 2010. I love young people, but I felt it shift. I felt it, I, I felt like, okay, now that doesn't mean it comes back. Right now I'm getting like another excitement for youth ministry. Not, not that I'm going to do it, but I'm, I'm, we're really trying to build some dynamics in the church to reach to, the, to our young people. But that is one of those things, you know, that, that I was really in. I was really excited about it. And then one day, right there, right at the sound booth, I walked off the sound booth and I felt that thing like dissolve. Like, you know what, I, I, I can't do this anymore. I think I told Deanna that. I was like, Deanna, I'm done. I told Ben she was here. And, like, and they look at me like, yeah, I, just, I just can't do this anymore. And I didn't. Now, that doesn't mean we didn't support him. We kept coming. We, you know. And that can happen in your life. So, so be sensitive to that. But it's not that God is, you know, God will never take you out of a calling to reduce it. <laughs> so, like, well, God's calling me not to go to church. Ah. Well, let me help you. God's calling me not to be the church. now. that's not happening. So take life inventory. That's, there's nothing wrong. Is there something you're still doing that you're no longer enjoying? That doesn't mean you get to quit. That means there's something else to do. Amen? Um, give me the next one. Well, that's fine. So back up, Arjun. Let me finish that last line. Sorry. So you can open space for the new callings. You can't put new wine in old wineskins. And one of the worst mistakes anybody can do, including a lot of pastors have done it, and i got to be careful that I don't do it, is that you don't beat a dead horse. And a lot of churches do that. And sometimes even pastoral callings change. And sometimes pastors don't agree with the calling change. No, I'm the pastor. And God say, no, but I want you to go to mission. No, I can't go to mission. And that church will begin to dwindle. Why? Because everybody's got to be in rhythm. And God, if there is a shift in what God's called you to do, it's because he's promoting you. There's no other reason. Amen? Now you can go to the next one. I've got to knock these out. Ask others what they think. That's, nobody wants to talk about that, but that's a good one. You, just somebody, maybe your family, somebody close to you, say, what do you think I'm called to do? Because sometimes you can't do it. So pull your friends and family about your passions. Ask them what they see as your calling. And notice which responses elicit a feeling of yes in you. You know, if somebody comes up to you and says, what do you think I'm called to do? And somebody says, I, I don't know. I just feel like you're called to go to Vietnam and preach Jesus. And you're like, whoa, no, I've never even thought. I don't even know where Vietnam is. That's not your calling. <laughs> But if you're thinking about Vietnam and you're reading magazines about Vietnam and you're checking out and, and all of a sudden somebody comes and says, I don't know why this is in it. The Lord's telling me something about Vietnam. You're like, oh, God's calling me to Vietnam. 
God will always confirm what he told you. He will never give you a new assignment without telling you first. So watch out for false prophecies. Because that's another one. Like, the Lord showed me that you need to serve in the nursery. And, and a good, loving person might believe their pastor say, well, I guess God told them. No, I'm just manipulating. And that person will be a disaster in the nursery. Amen? Because they're not called to that. So remember this. This is a good thing. Ask people. What am I supposed to, what do you think I'm good for? <laughs> no, 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 no. No. Mexicans mess things up, you know. <laughs> I remember one time a, a good ministerial friend of mine pointed out something that I was aware of, but it was kind of duh, that I hadn't really seen it. That was before Cuba. That was before, no, we were already in Mexico, but that was way before Cuba. And he said, you know your gift, because of the Spanish language I have, and I can translate and all that and interpret people and all that. He said, that's one of your strengths. And I had never really seen that because I grew up with both languages like most of you did. It wasn't like, oh, whatever, I speak English and Spanish, big deal. No, he said, that's a gift. Well, it was something that came naturally in my home, but at the end of the day, God has used that. Because now I can go to Cuba and interpret for preachers, or I can preach. There's a gift. But it took somebody to, to point out, that was really a duh fact, but I hadn't really seen it as a gift. I just thought, okay, speak two languages. But God didn't see it as an ability to speak two languages that I learned it naturally. It wasn't, oh, I learned it supernaturally. It didn't happen. I just grew up in that home. But now he takes that and says, now I'm going to use it. I'm going to double you. Because not only can you preach in English, you can preach in Spanish. You can help people in, in English-speaking languages, and you can help people in Spanish-speaking countries. You know? So now you begin to see something very just normal to all of us. That's why I really have a problem a lot of, you know, South Texas people that I see that they don't want to teach their kids Spanish. That is a grave mistake. That is a grave mistake. They almost are mad because they talk Spanish like that's some kind of inferior deficiency or something. That's ridiculous. If you're, not, if you're that person, you better teach it. If you speak Spanish and your kid doesn't speak Spanish, you are not being a good parent because you are closing a door of opportunity to that child. Because if you speak two languages, you've got doors all over this world. Amen. Some of you are like, ooh, that was for me. Yeah, probably, yeah. Anyway, go on to the next one, RJ. Let's get Use your values as a guide. Now, I was going to talk about church values, but I, but I deleted that, that whole, I had a whole thing on church values because I said, no, before we have church values, that might be next week, what are your values? What are the qualities that make you that aren't who you think you should be, but rather who you already are? How are you honoring those values in your life right now? What information do your values give you about your calling? So let's just, let's just let me summarize. What values do you have in your life? For example, what is a value? Well, I believe, you know, in family. That's a big value for me. My family, I want it tight. I want to, you know, we're not disconnected from each other. That is a personal value. Are you understanding? Um, honesty. Honor. You know, things that you want to, you know, respect. What are the things that you value? That, that make you who you are. Because a lot of those things, you know, again, your calling is not like God just picked something really weird to you and just dumped it into your life. Your calling is completely about your personality. And your calling is wrapped around your value system. Now, hope, obviously, as believers, we have a godly value system. And that's not, you know, don't, in other words, don't be an idiot. Don't cheat, don't steal, don't lie. You know, don't run around, all that kind of stuff. That's not, I'm not talking about those, I'm talking about core values. Love. Will, you know, generosity, willing to give yourself up to other people. I know, what, what, what makes you you? 
That's a hard conversation. Because some of you are like, you know, you, a lot of us think we're all just, oh, you know, I'm sure they'll make a saint day after I'm gone. I'm just so good. Back to ask somebody. <laughs> that is a hard conversation. But, you know, the values probably came from your parents, your culture. And if those parents and that culture wasn't godly, you got some twisted values. That doesn't make you a bad person. That just means, you know, if you were raised in an environment where, you know, there's just a really complicated mess, if I, I don't want to go through specifics, then when you grow up, you, you'll probably replicate that same environment. If you come from an environment where, you know, failed marriages, failed this, failed that, if you don't do a change, chances are you'll end up in a similar situation because your values are off. You know, if you were raised in a home where they didn't value, you know, marriage, in other words, you know, everybody just did whatever they want to, then obviously when you grow up, you're not going to value that. And if that doesn't make you a bad person, that just means, simply means that wasn't put in you. But now as a believer, guess what? You got to have that value. Because that is in the word, right? So when I don't want to, you know, this is like a sermon in itself, but the idea is, do you really know who you are? Because it's going to be hard to move into what God's called you to do unless you have a solid value system. And this is what gets a lot of people in trouble. I want to say something I've been chewing on it for a couple of weeks, and I don't know if it's... But, I look at our life in ministry, you know, what is it, next year, 20, no, 2024, it'll, it'll, it'll really be 30 years since we started this, November 1994. And I look back at our, at our history, and I really pray to God, you know, whatever my end is, if my end is heaven or my end is to do something else in ministry or my end, whatever it is, I just ask God, Lord, you know, there's no way I'm going to finish this in, you know, trying to be perfect, but I don't want to dishonor you. Because there's just too many people that I know in our ministerial circles that are falling and falling and falling and falling and in adultery and falling and stealing and falling and all craziness. I mean, you guys probably don't keep track of this stuff, and I don't want to, but I could, you know, I could just blow off a bunch of big, big, big names that you probably haven't even heard of, and they're over there in, you know, in moral situations. And again, I'm, I'm not judging that. I'm saying, I pray to God that I can finish my race without a disaster. Because I'm talking big churches, big ministries, big pastors. I know these people. It was the one that came out on the news, that big, big, big one. I know that guy personally. I preached with him in Ukraine. You know, the one with the girl, the 16-year-old. That guy, I know him. If you know what I'm talking about, it's all over the Internet. And that to me was like, you got to value this. What happened to the value, pay attention, of your calling? Your calling is valuable. So when you talk about value system, it better include to give God honor. If you never do anything for Jesus, if you never go on a mission trip, you still got to honor and walk righteous. Not so people can say, oh, look how holy he is. Look how holy she is. It's honor. And I think that's one of the things that is so key to making your gift. So your value is a guide. And I do say, you know, make a list. And then what information did you receive? And you might find that you have some values there that probably shouldn't be there. And again, the reason, the only reason it's there, it was planted by your parents or your culture. So, number four, what are your values? And I think, is that the, is that the last one right there? We have one more. Okay, that's it. Now, go back to, and I'm going to finish with this. Some of you are like, praise God. No, that's my first closing. That's my first closing. If, go back to Ephesians chapter 4, but this is not on the slides. This one, I just want to close with this. Because I want to show you something about these gifts. This is really good. Let, let me just bring it. I have the King James, but... Let me read it out of me. Oh, it's right here. Praise God. It popped open. Is that where 
continue to be. Okay, so back in the same chapter that he talks about the divine calling, I want you to go down to verse 11, and we're going to close with this about your calling. He has appointed some with grace to be apostles, and some with grace to be prophets, and some with grace to be evangelists, and some with grace to be pastors, and some with grace to be teachers. Well, that's us, right? That's me, and you know, that's what we do. But listen to verse 12. This is so important because now you're going to really see our interaction. What do you mean our? Pastor, church. And not as, oh, the pastor and I'm, no, we are a team. Say amen. You're not better than me, I'm not better than you. We're a team. I have a job, you have a job. Back to all the analogies of the football team, the quarterback's got a job, quarterback's got a job. I'm sorry, the coach got a job, quarterback's got a job, right? You don't want him to switch. Even though they're both professionals, you don't want him to switch. Because if our coach gets on the field, he'll die of a heart attack. I'm just saying. Everybody in their place, okay? Now, and so, so he talks about all the grace, and then he says, and their calling. So you ready for my calling? Come on, say yes, and I'll finish this. I don't know. If I, I don't really know if I'm ready. Let me think about it. Uh, let me ask my mom, are we ready? No. Because this is, you know, and their calling, Pastor Box's calling, hopefully I'm doing it this morning, is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own work. Everybody say own work. Say my work. Of ministry. And as they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. So here is the big, big, big one. My job is to teach, nurture, prepare. Your job is to build. <laughs> okay? My job is to teach. Your job is to build. And if both of us do our job, we will be in God's will. God's will is not if we fill up the church. Let's get that thing out of our head. Because sometimes that's, let's believe God will fill up every chair, every service. That's, that's nice. I've said that many times. And I would really love that. But that's not the goal. If you're not careful, then that becomes, you know, you, you drive a church into attendance. And you've got big, 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 you know, mega churches. But at the end of the day, they've got all kinds of scandals and messes and all kinds of stuff. Because they built an organization like you built Amazon. But you didn't build God's house. So, yes, numbers are important, but at the end, it's the calling. So my calling is to be here this morning. That's it. My calling is to teach you. And if you go through a storm, to nurture you, to pray for you, to hug you if we need be. But after I'm done my job, your calling kicks in. And your calling is to go out there and see if you can be a light this week. Well, that didn't help me, Pastor. I still don't know what I'm, t- I'm supposed to do. Be a blessing? Start there. But I, I, I don't know. No, just be a blessing. Don't keep it, keep it so simple. And, a- and after you be a blessing, if you start getting some of these, I'm not going to re-preach my message, but you start getting these promptings, you start getting these urges, you start getting these ideas, you start creating passions that you didn't have before, like, wow, you know. And, you know, all of a sudden you have a desire to serve in children's ministry that you'd never had before. That could be God. 
You're having a rough day. You walk into stripes. You know, you haven't had your coffee, and people are trying to say hello, and you have a choice to just really be the way you always are, mean. But today you say, you know what? I'm called to be a blessing. And somehow your day just completely turns in a whole different direction. I don't know what else to, to, you know, to bring to, to this service this morning to just help you understand this is not complicated, people. Don't look. Because one of the things that, that, that I always wanted to do was say, okay, what's my calling? What am I going to do in ministry? Where, and God never told me that. And he still hasn't told me that. You know, I have my plans of what I think ministry is going to happen or how it's going to look. But at the end of the day, it's his, it's his plan and his plan only. My job is just to be where I'm supposed to be. And if, you, if, that's, if you, that's you, guess what? Your life will begin to, to nav, you know, gravitate around the call of God. And pretty soon you, you're going to see yourself being a blessing everywhere. And we break out of these walls and we take the gospel where it needs to be, in the dark places of this community. That's where the gospel needs to be. Are you still here? Stand to your feet. Amen. Hopefully you got something out of all that this morning. I want to pray for you this morning. And again, I want to welcome, I didn't welcome him, but I thank God for our online audience. And um, I'm going to have a real simple prayer, two prayers. First and foremost, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that is always my calling, is to bring, invite you to meet him. And it's, it's done very simply, just done by bringing him in. And I've always, you know, when I do altar calls, I do this also because there are people that don't know God. Maybe that's you here this morning. Maybe you're watching me online. You, you, you have no context of it. But then you have people that knew God, that, you know, life or bad teaching or a bad church or for whatever reason you just kind of left and now you're trying to figure this thing out again. That could be you. And then there's a third category of people that aren't saved, that aren't, that aren't lost. They're born again, but they've lost the fire. I've been there many times. And I think the prayer of salvation is good for those people too. Not that you need to get reborn, but to, it's almost like when you're, you know when you're married and your marriage gets dull and you come to the pastor and say, we want to renew vows, you know that? Because you think your marriage needs a little, that's a good thing. Well, this is kind of like the thing. If you feel like you're in a cold place, you're not going to hell. I mean, you're, you're going to heaven, but it's okay to say, Jesus, come back in my life, you know light this thing up again. Amen? So let's do that this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed, and pray this prayer. Every, everyone praying, you know, especially those that you don't know. It. Say, Lord Jesus, I come before you with my life as is. I have no excuses. I just want you in my life. I repent of all my sins, and I invite you to be my Lord and Savior. And I thank you, Jesus for saving my soul. I want you to light the fire. Say it. I want you to light the fire and make it hot within me, Lord. Amen. Simple prayer. Just believe it. Now, this is my prayer for you. For some of you, I know some of you really have this, because I was there many years ago. want to be used by God. You want to, you know, you have this thing. I, I just know because that's just your experience with God. And you kind of feel lost this service was for you. Don't get impatient. But I'm telling you, God is going to raise some of you up to, to places. I keep thinking about our ladies' team. They went to Cuba and other people that years and years and years ago, they would have never thought they would have that much influence. And I can see a lot of people here. You walked in this building. You know, you might have felt like, well, I'm useless. I'm pointless. I don't have nothing going. No, yes, you do. You got a lot. You are breathing, so you got a potential. And I want to pray right now that a fire gets lit in you so, so hot that you'll never have to look anywhere else for peace but God. I'm not asking you to, to look for peace in this church. 
I'm asking you to get so hot, you know, fire hot with God that you'll never, ever want to look anywhere else. You won't have to look for other people. You won't have to look for addictions. You won't have to look to pornography. You won't have to look to anything because the Bible says he can fill everything, every space of your being. And I know as believers, you know, it's, it's, it sounds really cool and everything, but sometimes real life comes with a lot of negative stuff. But I'm telling you, you can have this. So this is my prayer, just simple prayer. You don't have to repeat nothing. You just have to receive it. So if that's you this morning, you just want to start walking in this path, receive this. Father, I ask you in my heart right now, Lord, that starting with myself, Lord, that our callings be so clear that, Father, we don't have to know the end result. I don't need to know what I'm going to be doing 20 years from now. I just need to be obedient tomorrow. I need to be obedient today. And, Father, I pray that everyone in this house has been ignited. If anyone here has been beat down by condemnation, by guilt, by shame, Father, same prayer we prayed last week, we remove that, Father. Everyone in this building is qualified for the glory. Everyone in this building is qualified to be a blessing. So I pray, Father, right now that you ignite a fire, the fire that Jeremiah had in his bones that couldn't quench. And I believe this group of people... Father, whatever community they're involved in, if they're in Bruni, in Hebronville, Oilton, Miranda City, even Laredo, we have people from Laredo here this morning. Whatever their place is, that this very week they will shine this light and their calling will begin to grow and they will see, Father, that our calling is not defined by 10 years down the road. Our calling will be defined what we do tomorrow. And I call them blessed and I believe with all my heart that this week will be very, very exciting for them. And Lord, if anyone is sick among us, we pray for healing. If you need healing in your body, lift up one hand to heaven. We are in agreement that in the name of Jesus, there is healing virtue. By the stripes of Jesus, we've been healed. So, Father, I pray for every hand that's up, every person that needs a healing. We pray over the doctors, the medicine, everything that they're doing on that end, but we pray for the spiritual aspect. And we bind sickness and disease off their bodies. And I believe with all my heart that healing virtue is flowing through this church. Father, I pray for those that are struggling right now financially or need a job or need work. I pray that this very week, doors of opportunity are open. And I give you glory and praise, Father, for your goodness in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Well, can you give the Lord praise this morning, church? Glory to God. You may be seated. God bless you. I won't take too much more of your time. I want to give you guys a quick update. So we had a various conversations this week um, with um, Pastor Dan Stratton from New York and, of course, Pastor Yoel from Cuba. And our, our men's conference is going to, it looks like it's going to happen. And the reason I'm telling you, there's two, you know, two reasons. One, of course, your prayers. We need a lot of prayer over that. And the other, you know, if, if, if Cuba is still something on your heart, well, you know, we ask you for partnership. You know, what, what is the scope? You know, one thing I've learned after a few years of doing missions I don't want to go waste anybody's time. I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to waste my money. I don't want to waste your money. I don't want to say anything. So we got to make sure what we do is what we do. And, and this meeting, why is it significant? Because these, these men's, it's, it's kind of, when you say men's fellowship, you guys probably have an Americanized version of it. It really is the men leaders of a lot of churches. We're, we're going to bus, we're going to rent five buses, and we're going to bus people from Havana from Oriente, which is close to Santiago, if you're familiar with Cuba. Cuba's really long. You know, it's a really long island. And um, Olguin, Cienfuegos, um, another one, Camagüey. 
So we're doing that, and these, um, we bring them, we feed them, and for basically three days, we teach and train. Well, all these men will go back throughout that island, back to their congregations, back to their churches. So.